0: Welcome to the Wellness Plus Podcast, featuring interviews with health and wellness professionals empowering you to take control of your health and happiness. Feel better, look better, and live better today by subscribing right now for new episodes every week. The Wellness Plus Podcast is brought to you by WellnessPlus.tv and made possible by the generous donations of Psyche Truth Patreon supporters. Now, here's your host, Certified Holistic Health Coach, Karina Rachel
1: to the Wellness Plus Podcast. I'm your host, Karina Rachel, and I'm joined today by Chase McKenzie. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and he's here to talk to us today about cryotherapy. Chase, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks
2: for having me on, Karina.
1: Definitely. So I think a lot of people, at least at this point, have heard of cryotherapy mm-hmm. going into a really cold chamber, but I'm hoping that you can tell us a little bit more about um Where did cryotherapy begin? I mean, how did this technology originate?
2: Well, I mean, when you have to break down cryotherapy, I mean, some have heard of it. I mean, there's still a huge gap. Not Mm -hmm. a lot of people know about what is cryotherapy, right? And if you break it down, literally the word cryo means cold, therapy obviously meaning therapy. So you have to break down the involvement of cold as it applies to physiology and anatomy and medicine, right? Mm -hmm. And so that dates back actually all the way to the Egyptians. Mm -hmm. The Egyptians back in 2000 BC were probably the first, at least first documented, to use cold therapy and ice uh, as it pertains to medical practices. I mean, Egyptians innovated a lot of stuff in medicine if you really, really look back on it. But that's when cryotherapy really originated, Um, and it really didn't evolve Uh, In that kind of archaic form of cryotherapy, just, you know, involvement of cold and ice, uh, really until about the mid-1850s, when it kind of started changing and, you know, the wheel started turning a little bit in Europe, when they started doing a little bit more experimentation with medicine. And uh, in the 1850s, they started using cold and ice um, and various other cold substances to reduce tumor sizes. So, not only did they know, okay, it helps with pain at this point, they know it can actually have medicinal practices. And then it really didn't evolve from then until like the early 1900s. Like I would say, um, you know, the kind of innovative time of physiology. Uh, and anyone who's done nurse practitioning or anything like that, they've studied this man. His name's Walter Cannon. And Walter Cannon created what's called Cannon's Postulates. Essentially, he refined the concept of homeostasis. And so homeostasis, I mean, there's, you know, this ebb and flow of how the body reacts, right? If it's given an extreme, it's going to try to come back to homeostasis, right? So Cannon's postulates defined homeostasis and refined it, I should say, in the early 1900s. Now cryotherapy, as you and I are talking about, is sub-zero temperature exposure. Now that really didn't start going until like the late 1970s, I believe it was 1978. Uh, It was Dr. Toshima Yamaguchi from Japan, who is a uh, rheumatoid arthritis researcher and doctor, he started using liquid nitrogen in basically wooden tanks to treat his arthritic patients, and that was the start of sub zero temperature cryotherapy.
1: Wow! So, not only has it been around for an extremely long time, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting that you know it's not just for pain, they were really able to see that it had all of these other, um, other effects on the body mm-hmm. aside from just reducing the pain and inflammation, which kind of sounds like. Maybe they have known that for for longer than mm-hmm. any of us really realized. So, what kind of applications are there today? I know for me, I mainly think of cryotherapy as being associated with athletes mm-hmm. and improving athletic performance, but is that kind
2: of the extent of it? Or? Uh, it I mean, no, it's not. Uh, athletes primarily are using cryotherapy. You see it in a ton of uh, professional sports teams' locker rooms and training facilities. For example, our technology is in the Los Angeles Lakers locker room, it's in the Minnesota Vikings locker room. Um, and athletes are using it to get that extra edge, or more importantly, Recover faster more effectively more efficiently uh, than just say cold water immersion Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of athletes are using it for performance, but really for cryotherapy and sub-zero temperature exposure We're talking about three different tiers. You have the performance tier how can I perform better? Elevating performance, recovering faster so I can perform better the next day. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of have the uh, pain and inflammation, the recovery right. side of it, right? So you're talking about uh, treating people who have chronic pain or recovering from acute injury or things like that. And then lastly, you have the wellness side of it. So, and you know, we'll, we'll chat about it a little bit, but there's such a huge, huge endorphin release. Mm-hmm. With cryotherapy, you're releasing things like dopamine and serotonin, so, so many great things into the body that reduce stress improve sleep and increase energy. So I would say those are the three tiers. And we see that commonly in the facility as well.
1: And so, yeah, maybe just talk a little bit about uh, the cryotherapy chambers that y'all use mm-hmm. with cryotherapy and maybe like what is exactly happening in the body
2: when somebody steps into that chamber. Sure. Absolutely. So uh, we use an electrically cooled technology at U.S. Cryotherapy. It's, you know, one one of a kind. Uh, definitely in Texas, we have a four-person capacity chamber. It's it's wildly unique. There's only about, I want to say, 20 of them in the country. Um, and we don't use any chemicals. We don't use any nitrogen. Now, kind of taking a step back here when talking about, you know, Yamaguchi in 1978 with nitrogen cryo and wooden tanks, it evolved from that point to still stay within the nitrogen realm, Uh, really started getting introduced in the uh, in the 90s with nitrogen cryo in Europe. Uh, And then it started kind of nitrogen cryotherapy progressed into the into the United States in about the mid 2000s. But at that point in Europe, in the mid 2000s, they had evolved from nitrogen to electrically cooled systems. And so we started discovering the electrically cooled systems back in 2010, and U.S. cryotherapy was the first of its kind to bring electrically cooled cryotherapy to the United States in 2011 at their original location in Roseville, California. So we kind of evolved out of it, took what Europe had already done and progressed, mm-hmm. and where there's a lot of clinical to back electrically cooled systems, and brought it to the states. And that's the kind of technology we're using today.
1: Okay. Can you talk? little about the difference between the nitrogen
2: cooled and electrically cooled chambers? Yes. So, I mean, first when people google cryotherapy, they're probably going to see a nitrogen cryotherapy chamber. You'll see the head sticking out of this black tube right. and you see the gas, right? You see the gas flying out of it and that white vapor is actually liquid nitrogen vapor. Okay? So that's the evaporated form of liquid nitrogen getting pumped into that system. Uh with the electrically cooled systems, essentially that nitrogen is administered. And that's where they're getting the cooling effect on the skin. The issues with liquid nitrogen, though, is it's an open container. It's still open to the environment. You're still obeying the law of gas laws, right? Cold's going to, cold's going to sink and then hot, uh, excuse me, heat's going to rise, right? There's a discrepancy of temperature. Uh, and it's not uncommon for individuals actually in the liquid nitrogen tanks to feel the discrepancy. Their legs feel way colder than their upper body. Mm. There's an issue with that, though, as it pertains to activating the central nervous system. Uh, You have so many thermal receptors in your chest, in your shoulders, your neck, in your head, in your face. Those are the receptors that are going to respond more to thermal regulation than, say, in your calves or your thighs or your hamstrings, right? So with the electrically cooled system, we're not using any nitrogen, no chemicals, which means we can safely breathe the air inside. We actually go into – think of it kind of like in your head right now. Imagine a sauna, right? We're, we're in this closed box, right? And that closed box is pumping in uh, air that's electrically cooled down to about negative 170 degrees. You can breathe that air and you're getting exposed to that air with your shoulders, your head, your neck, and your face. More importantly – there's no two different gases in that system. It's not a, no longer a, a mixture of gases, it's actually a solution of gases. It's completely uniform from the ground all the way up to the ceiling. So you're gonna feel just as cold at your head, neck and face as you are at your calves and your ankles and your knees. So we have a more uh, potent stimulus mm-hmm. to the central nervous system And that's actually backed by clinical research uh, that electrically cooled whole body cryo. I mean, whole body, not partial body. Whole body cryo is eliciting about a 20% greater response of, uh, of norepinephrine released from the central nervous system, indicating a more potent stimulus.
1: So not only do you have more uniform temperature all throughout it, but just based on the little videos that I saw on your website, you can really see people are having fun going into Uh the paper. You get exactly that more social aspect where you can go in with a group of people. Uh, as opposed to what most people think of in the cryo is like you're going into this tube by
2: yourself. Oh, totally. We promote the party. We promote the party. We play some music inside, right? We want people to feel comfortable because negative 170 degrees for a lot of people is not that comfortable, right? So we want to make it as comfortable as possible. And so if you bring in your friend, maybe you're a little timid, you just want to go in for somebody. And honestly, even just yesterday, I went in with two new clients who were very timid about the chamber. They wanted to go in with someone to coach them up and experience it with their first time coach them up they last the entire time and they're so glad they did and they even openly admitted if I had gone in by myself I don't think I would have been able to do it the entire time so you have this social vibe which I think is just perfect for Austin I mean it's perfect for so many different you know city cultures but I mean in Austin in particular we embrace the social vibe we embrace the kind of the party vibe dance around right we want people to feel comfortable for sure
1: And from my perspective of not having tried cryotherapy, I definitely would say if I was going to go in my first time, I would love to have someone there that knew the process, could help walk me through it. I'm sure that I would probably, yeah, be one of those that's feeling timid about going in. Um, So yeah, that social aspect alone, I can see why that's um, definitely really appealing to people. Um, And for that athletic uh, audience of people, you can definitely imagine if you've got teams of players or oh, whatever, yeah. like keeping that social aspect for them. It's
2: That's a great, great bonding experience, you know, and a lot of people who are going in, they heard about nitrogen cryotherapy, but they've never heard about our technology. So there are timid, for example, about the cold. Mm-hmm. Are they breathing in chemicals? Are they breathing, breathing in liquid nitrogen, which can actually make you pass out because you're not breathing in oxygen? So there's so many questions that we get mm-hmm. and there is this kind of timid reservation initially, But as soon as people experience it that one time, second time, they know exactly what to expect. It's a much, much more fun experience after that point.
1: Can you go in a little bit to uh, the science of what's happening to the body when we go in?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, I can talk science. Yeah, we'll talk science for sure. Um, So science of cryotherapy, it comes down to direct skin temperature drop. Okay, so we're talking about surface skin temperature, not core body temperature. That's a huge, huge uh, point we have to make initially. We're not dropping core body temperature. We're dropping surface skin temperature. So we go in to negative 170 degrees Fahrenheit for roughly two and a half minutes is about the first time for everybody. And in that duration, your skin temperature rapidly decreases by 30 to 45 degrees. And if we achieve that specific drop of 30 to 45 degrees, we 100% activate the central nervous system and engage what's called the fight or flight response. Essentially, when that happens, blood vessels constrict on a whole body scale. It starts pushing blood all the way back up into your torso to preserve vital organs. In that process, it's detoxified in the liver. It's enriched with oxygen and nutrients okay and but more importantly you're squeezing those blood vessels reducing inflammation and swelling systemically not just in a localized spot systemically we're reducing inflammation in that duration you're releasing powerful endorphins your body goes into this fight response it's fighting off the cold and it wants to release things like dopamine serotonin norepinephrine things that ultimately balance the mood so from a scientific standpoint, we are much more concerned with surface skin temperature drop than core body temperature, um, and that's where we're seeing the clinical of the you know clinically proven results of reducing pain and inflammation on a whole body scale, alleviating muscle soreness, enhancing athletic performance, in addition to reducing stress levels, improving sleep, and increasing energy. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it's
1: interesting because usually when I think about the fight or flight response, you know, it's a negative thing. We want to try and reduce our stress levels. We want to try to not be bringing that stress response on. Um, Can you explain a little bit why the, you know, so I get the constriction of the blood vessels and everything, but, you know, why would people want to bring that state Mm -hmm.
2: on? Well, in this in controlled environment, we're emulating the response in a controlled environment in order to elicit positive health benefit, okay? Now when we're eliciting the fight or flight response, there is a small amount of cortisol release. Uh, That's why there is a limit to how much cryotherapy you're going to do in a day. For example, you could do at maximum twice a day. In reality, the only people who are doing that are the people that have chronic pain or inflammatory conditions. Or or if you're Joe Rogan, who talked about this past week, he's just a junkie. So he goes in and does it twice, but that's his deal. So, you know, we, we want to minimize the amount of central nervous system stimulation while also maximizing the amount of positive health benefits. So I would not recommend doing cryotherapy every single day. It's taxing on the nervous system. You get this summation of cortisol. Cortisol in small levels is incredibly beneficial for the body. Uh, putting a little bit of stress in goes a long way down the run, right? So we want to engage in a little bit of stress in order to enhance uh, and perform the body at its peak and in, in order to really, you know, release all those positive health benefits. Mm-hmm. Very
1: interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, and I also think that for – Uh, the athletes who are coming in, um, people that are really working out significant periods of time to significant intensities, they're already eliciting that kind of stress response on a pretty regular basis Mm -hmm. through those really intense workouts, Mm -hmm. so you can kind of see where um, you know, creating that same reaction through just walking into a cryo chamber, as an example, mm-hmm. um, is not something that's going to increase their stress so much.
2: Mm-hmm. Negative Ultimately, it's going to reduce their stress. Um, you, you know, you're innervating the central nervous system with any sort of motor, you know, motor skill, right? Especially with complex athletic skill. I mean, there's so much going on. It's so taxing on the nervous system or even people who are bodybuilding, right? And really taxing 100% stimulation of motor fiber recruit recruitment right so when you're going into the cryo chamber it's almost kind of hitting the reset button in a lot of ways and that's where it's kind of like okay reset release a little cortisol release a ton of endorphins, flush out any lactic acid and residual inflammation in the area, your body will feel fresher the next day. No question. It's not a magic bullet by any means, right? It's not going to cure you the next day. Like anything that's great in this world, it requires consistency and it requires this, you know, dedication to a regimen. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: The podcast you are listening to was brought to you by wellnessplus.tv a subscription service empowering you with everything you need to take control of your health and happiness. Sign up for your free trial today to watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to our extensive library, including hundreds of follow-along yoga and fitness courses, massage therapy tutorials, weight loss information, guided meditations, educational health videos, and so much more. Feel better, look better, and live better today by visiting wellnessplus.tv.
1: So your specialization is in strength training conditioning. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what led you to that path and then maybe how you ended up with US cryotherapy
2: oh sure yeah so uh my history with i mean exercise science performance all that really started at the university of texas here in austin um it was kind of like my first day of school i was i was in the geoscience school and i decided you know what got my syllabus for four years. It was like, nope, no, thank you. I'm going to do something <laughs> that I feel more passionate about. Uh, and that was, you know, my body and the physical of helping people live pain-free lives. Mm-hmm. And so I graduated UT with an exercise science and biology degree. Uh, and at that point was pre-physical therapy. That was the destination for anyone who did my major. It was like, you got to go PT, you got to go chiropractic, you got to do something along those lines or strength coaching. When I graduated, I actually went overseas in Europe, uh, in Slovenia and played professional volleyball for a brief amount of time. Uh, and that's kind of my athletic background. I played pro volleyball for a brief amount of time, came back to the States afterwards and gave it a good run on the beach, uh, out in California. Mm -hmm. And that was Super competitive back in 2015, um, real competitive. I mean, indoor there's six guys to a court, and beach there's two, so there's there's real performance pressure. I would say, and at that time I was reaching performance plateaus. Uh, if you're in beach volleyball and you're familiar with it, if you place third, you're not getting enough winnings to pay rent, so you have to yeah oh yeah you got to place first or second in order to really support yourself playing that profession. And at the end of the day, I was looking for something to boost my athletic performance. I found cryotherapy and I found cryotherapy in the liquid nitrogen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at the time, loved it. I mean, I I saw, you know, the fight or flight response. I was familiar with the physiological mechanisms. Mm -hmm. I didn't really give all that much time and energy into looking into it, like really looking at the clinical. And I kind of just accepted it. My body felt great. I was performing better, getting past that third place hurdle. Ultimately, I couldn't afford it after a month. I was a pro volleyball player. I wasn't doing anything else. I was living off ramen noodles on a couch for a while. And so at that point, I decided to kind of revamp my approach. I got my CSCS. I started working closely with clinicians in physical therapy and chiropractic, uh, kind of bridging the gap between physical therapy and strength conditioning because there's a huge gap with someone who's uh, approved for activity after physical therapy. Insurance says, you know what? You're done, Okay. But athletes, they may be at 70%. They're not getting back on the court. So my job was getting them back there. And then I was like, okay, well, how can I still take this to the next level? And that's when I found U.S. Cryotherapy back in Studio City, California. Applied for that manager position out there and thankfully was working out there for six months and found an ownership opportunity out here in Austin, took my opportunity, and the rest is history. Awesome. Mm -hmm.
1: So I just, you know, I always think that it's those... Uh, those experiences where we experience for ourselves the benefits, you know, is really what is the strongest. So, the fact that you are actually able to observe um, how much improvement that you got, how much um, change you can really see. I mean, when it comes down to all of these different health and wellness um, approaches, tips, um, not to mention some of these different technologies that are coming out, I mean, mm-hmm. I think the bottom line that it comes down to is you know, what is gonna give me the most effect um, for my investment of time or money or whatever it is. Oh yeah. Um, so being able to really see real results, I think is um, is so important for people. And certainly as we're sitting here trying to choose which route we're gonna go, what we wanna try, um, having somebody say, hey, this worked for me enough that I have now dedicated my life to it. This is my career, so to speak. Oh yeah. Um, speaks really, really strongly.
2: Yeah, it's and it's wonderful to feel it firsthand. But at the end of the day, it's the experiences and the observations I make with my clients that really makes the big difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, personally, I can testify to the athletic benefit, but clinically, there's plenty of evidence to support cryotherapy prior to workouts and performance to elevate, um, you know, lower pain thresholds, uh, higher one rep maxes, better performance on and lower lactic acid thresholds and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's also... Plenty of clinical to support post workout and performance and recovery and comparing it with ice baths, no one wants to get into an ice tub for 10 minutes and freeze their butt off. And in ultimately, there's not a lot of support to say whether cold water immersion following activity is actually aiding recovery the next day. It's reducing inflammation and you know pain to a certain extent. But it's not clinically back to elevate performance the next day. So from an athletic perspective, I was sold Um, from a kind of recovery from injury and chronic pain. I was sold immediately on a client that came in in California who had frozen shoulder. And we have a check-in, right, where it's like, you know, you got to go through your touchscreen monitors and you got to be able to lift your arm in order to touch the screen or type on the keyboard. She couldn't lift her arm up to touch the keyboard. That's how locked up the shoulder had been. And she had gone to PT. And this is a lot of clients that we see that have gone and done everything. They've done PT. They've done acupuncture. They've done cupping. They've done various massage therapies. And we see a lot of the people have kind of gone through the ropes, right? She had done all that. And within one session, was able to restore range of motion, even just percentages. Came in for another week, was able to raise her arm overhead. Wow. That's wild, and that's like, and you know, there's no indication that cryotherapy assists with frozen shoulder. But if we're reducing inflammation, reducing pain thresholds, and we can ultimately restore range of motion, we're gonna do it every time, right? And we see that all the time. And that was like the selling point for me on recovery. I was like, holy cow, like this is a huge game changer. Mm -hmm. Not to mention all the clients that we've had with fibromyalgia um, and arthritis. Now cryotherapy is not FDA approved, so I can't claim to you right now that it treats those conditions. However, we see a ton of clientele who have those conditions, and we observe immense benefit with them. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like the dicey dance we have to play. Right. Uh, and then lastly, for the kind of the wellness benefit, I was immediately sold on a client um, who came in with depression and saw that cryotherapy could help with depression. And at the time, I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, we're releasing endorphins, you know, great things like dopamine and serotonin. It's, it's great. Um, you know, we can give this a go. Let's see if it works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, then great. You know, and we'll move on to something else. We'll refer you to someone who can handle it. And they started getting better. And it was that simple. It was they started getting better from their depression. They started having – they started weaning off their medication. That's their choice, not our choice. We never make those kind of recommendations. We don't have the medical expertise to make those recommendations. That's why we're always so cautious. And they started doing cryotherapy about four times a week. Now, a year later, I started researching, like, why? Like, it still puzzled me. Right. I was so sold. I was, it's, it still puzzled me. And, and actually, do you know who uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick is? Dr. Rhonda Patrick, she was on the Joe Rogan Experience as well, and uh, and she was, it was a fantastic interview because she started talking about things like depression and anxiety, and what you're finding in blood levels, like blood concentrations, mm-hmm. and they were finding that both people who had you know had depression and anxiety had low levels of norepinephrine in their bloodstream. Well, when we examined what whole body cryotherapy does. It releases 400% more norepinephrine than cold water immersion. It is a potent norepinephrine releaser. And that's where we see blood vessel constriction physiologically. But in these other conditions, there may be association between norepinephrine release. And so that was kind of like the connecting my dots from a to b to c Mm -hmm. that's never been clinically proven i can never say that that's ever been clinically proven but that's when i kind of got sold on all three and then Mm -hmm. really when that hit home i was like this this really means something this means something to a lot of people Mm -hmm. not just for athletes
1: and you know on the wellness plus podcast a lot of what um you know we've heard from different from different interviews is this you know connection between the mind and body Mm -hmm. and over and over that you kind of see how those two things impact each other um so again you know hearing you share this story like to me i'm just thinking well it kind of makes sense in a way even though i can't necessarily explain the uh, biophysiology specifics you know the concept of you know, helping bring your hormones into balance and helping to reduce systemic inflammation all throughout the body, like it's going to clearly have these different impacts. Um, so, for it to have a, a mental health improvement or improvement of mood, um, to me isn't surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just. You know, think about all of the people out there who are experiencing these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's in any of those three categories recovery, athletes, or people with chronic pain or some kind of other chronic illness, they're just looking for answers. Right. You know, to hear somebody's story that it could bring, you know, such benefit for them um, is really, really powerful. Now, do you know, you know, from a perspective of, um, Like blood vessel constriction, we talked about, but we also have our lymphatic system, Mm -hmm. um, which doesn't have a pump the way that our blood circulation has our heart as a pump. Mm -hmm. Um, So, this topic of lymphatic stimulation and what happens when the lymphatic flow becomes sluggish is again something that's come up a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it all, you know, I would imagine that you would get the same constriction of the lymph
2: vessels that you would of the blood vessels? Uh, Not really to the same physiological mechanisms. I mean, norepinephrine binds to specific receptors on blood vessels, and that causes smooth muscle constriction, and that's Mm -hmm. what causes blood vessel constriction. So norepinephrine does not act on lymphatic vessels in the same way. If there's lymphatic movement, we commonly see lymphatic movement with promoted circulation. It's because they're so closely tied. Um, promoting circulation, promoting lymphatic movement. Now, the more potent lymphatic drainage um, modalities that we actually have in our facility, are compression and hydro massage, uh, as well as um, percussive vibration massage. So we've incorporated other modalities in to aid in lymphatic drainage. I mean, the compression from Normatec compression boots is absolutely fantastic. We uh, liked a couple of, that's what we call our athlete package. Someone goes in for the whole body cryo, flush the system, flush inflammation, um, you know, reduce mu- muscle soreness on a whole body scale, And then you go straight to – actually, you go to vibration technology, which vibration technology, plenty of research to show that it promotes lymphatic drainage and enhances circulation. We want to do that immediately after cryotherapy to engage in contrast. And then you go right into Normatec compression boots where it inflates, constricts your feet all the way up to your hip, applies this really firm pressure squeeze, kind of like a blood pressure cuff for Mm -hmm. your legs. And that's where we see lymphatic drainage kind of take place. Um, And that's probably the most potent one that we have. But cryotherapy itself, there's not a lot of lymph movement in clinical, but anytime we're doing, you know, enhanced circulation, we're seeing results there. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I think that's really cool hearing the, uh, you know, the different um, tools that you're using, so to speak, Um, to really address the full body. So even though the cryotherapy doesn't necessarily impact the lymphatic system, oh, but you have these other things that do. Oh yeah, that's really, really um, powerful that, you know, what y'all are offering at US Cryotherapy isn't just the cryotherapy chamber. You're really taking all of that knowledge of the strength and conditioning and all of these pieces uh, to create something that can really... Improve all of these different
2: systems in the body. Yeah, we have to treat the body individually every time it comes through the shop, right? I mean, you could walk in on your first time and your back could be all out of whack and you could have a lot of pain in the low back. And okay, great. Let's cater it specifically to the low back that day. Let's go into the whole body chamber, target it with localized cryo spot treatment. Again, electrically cooled negative 22 degree air we apply directly to the skin flush out specific targeted areas for flushing right and then after that get on the hydro massage. get a little bit of reduced muscle tension promoted lymphatic drainage and circulation the next day you could come in and say wow my legs just beat up from a workout i can't walk i mean i'm just super heavy lactic acid accumulation it's just so so heavy so super sore okay well great let's go into the whole body chamber let's get you in the normatech boots uh, and those are kind of the added modalities that we have in order to cater individually hmm.
1: And then um, can you also talk about the localized?
2: Yeah. Treatment? Yeah. The localized spot treatment is very cool. It's a uh, essentially think of it as like a freezer on wheels mm-hmm. and it has this hose that emits an airstream at negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit. And at that degree, we apply it directly to the skin within about like two inches per se. Um, And we are rapidly decreasing skin temperature down to about 39 or 40 degrees. So colder than any ice pack could ever get. Uh, Ultimately, we get a much deeper penetration into the tissue, access areas in the subdermis to constrict blood vessels there. Um, Cold interacts with nerve receptors there, blocking out cold, uh, creating an analgesic effect. Ultimately, a more effective and a more efficient way of icing targeted spots than any ice pack in about three minutes yeah very very effective
1: yeah and then so what other types of applications can you use the
2: uh, localized? Quality. So localized, we can apply specifically to muscle tissue, joint tissue, fascial tissue, uh, but we actually apply it to the face as well. Um, we apply what's called our cryofacial rejuvenation, and that's negative 22 degree air applied directly to the face for about six minutes. And in that duration, we're trying to get your skin temp about to 50 or 55 degrees. So not as cold as say a spot treatment, but what we want to do is get it around 50, 55 and create what's called a micro circulatory response of the face rapid constriction and dilation of blood vessels when that happens it promotes collagen like crazy Mm -hmm. collagen is introduced to the skin reduces fine lines and wrinkles um and also just helps improve skin tone clarity texture uh and that i would say is comparable to say a dry needling facial right and dry needling, if you're familiar uh, with some of those kind of spa treatments, they use needles to create that microcirculatory response by irritating the face. And yes, it can be effective at stimulating collagen, but your face is irritated for up to 24 to 48 hours. So we actually come into play by basically introducing that collagen production without irritating the face, but actually leaving it rejuvenated. And so that's where we come up with cryofacial rejuvenation.
1: That sounds very, very interesting. Um, and
2: then, I mean, what is the sensation like when you receive that? I mean, is it Oh, it's cold. Uh, it- I wouldn't say startling. I mean, whole body cryotherapy is startling. You, yeah. That can take your breath away. And that's not uncommon to take breath away. And we encourage what we call yoga breathing inside the chamber. Nice, mm-hmm. deep, relaxed breaths. Um, for cryofacial, I mean, have you ever stick in, you stuck your head out of a moving car and then tried to breathe when the air is in your <laughs> face? Like, you know, you're the dog that's sticking it, you know, and the tongue's out and you're just trying to breathe. It's so difficult. You can't do it. And it's so, it's so strange. We have this weird reflex. Mm -hmm. I'd say half the clients that do cryofacial have this weird reflex where... Any sort of air stimulation blown directly onto the face, they have a little bit of difficulty breathing, not because it's unsafe, but because we have this weird reflex of Mm -hmm. not breathing when air is blown onto our face. It's wild. Uh, Some people get that when they ski, too, at really high speeds. Um, And then other than that, I mean, you're definitely going to feel a little bit of cold sting. And that's with any cold service that we provide. We're dropping your skin temp down to about 50 degrees. I mean, you're going to feel a little sting um, sting for good cause, I should say. Right. And so we like to couple the cryofacial with the hydro massage. You can get this nice relaxing waterbed, pulsating water jet massage, um, getting the circulation going, relax, get the facial. It's like kind of a nice summer recipe for relaxation. Yeah,
1: it sounds incredible. And I mean, when you think about a lot of the different, um, facial, that <laughs> are mm-hmm. being used now, like just the needling is one example. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that people are doing to their skin, which is, um, you know, in order to at- attain a certain aesthetic, which mm-hmm. is oftentimes unpleasant. Um, so for something like this, where you're not only having those aesthetic benefits, but an actual health improvement, you know, improving the health of your skin, mm-hmm. not just the way that it looks. Um, you know, I think it's really, really powerful. And for, you know, all of the people out there that are um, interested in in having more youthful skin and all of these things, which we know are really popular nowadays, Mm -hmm. um, I think this sounds like a really... Um, a really great resource that you can, you know, know that you're doing something that actually is good for you
0: Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that also is going to have these different
2: effects. And it's a natural alternative, right? We're not using serums. We're not using any chemicals. This is simply cold. We're not irritating the face. We're rejuvenating the face. But commonly, we actually see a lot of people kind of double down on collagen, right? They'll do their dry needling, which irritates the face and causes inflammation. They'll double down on their collagen production and get a cryofacial afterwards because then we're not only only introducing collagen, but we can't forget cryotherapy reduces inflammation as well. So we're reducing the irritation caused by needling, doubling down on collagen. So you kind of hit two birds with one stone. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: We'd like to briefly interrupt this interview to remind you that this podcast was made possible by listeners just like you. Become a supporter at patreoncom truth where you can watch the video version of this episode and all our podcast episodes. Plus, you'll gain access to over 500 videos of exclusive content, including premium courses and behind-the-scenes peeks. Help us keep this information free by visiting patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash p-s-y-c-h-e-t-r-u-t-h.
1: So coming back to the the strength and conditioning piece can you talk a little bit about maybe how cryotherapy
2: fits in with like the overall regimen for athletes? Sure. So for regimen for athletes, I mean, we work specifically with Austin Elite Rugby. That's the pro rugby team in town. Um, and I coached many, many volleyball players, youth volleyball players. We've seen a couple pro guys come in from the Austin, Texas scene. Got to give a, a big shout out. Not a lot of Texas guys actually make it to the pro scene. And um, when we're introducing cryotherapy into those regimens, we really have to kind of examine what their goal is. Is their goal peak performance? performance for one specific activity or is it recovering from multiple activities in order to continue to perform at its best right you can do cryotherapy prior to workouts you can do cryotherapy after workouts so if we're doing cryotherapy before workouts think of it as priming the body for exercise right if you're at the 70% soreness pain inflammation maybe lack of range of motion Bring that up to 100% so that you're performing at your best. And we've seen clinical evidence to support uh, increased submaximal testing, uh, increased vertical testing with use of cryotherapy prior to activity. In addition to that, using cryotherapy prior to workouts is not as, um, I guess, limiting as cold water immersion. You get into a cold tub right? You're going to be cold for 30 minutes, like your joints need to rewarm again, because cryotherapy is such brief duration, two and a half, possibly three and a half minutes for those really, really large athletes out there. They're going to reheat their bodies within 10 minutes, they could perform activity within 15, no question. So there's a lot better turnaround with cryotherapy prior to exercise. Now, when you're examining cryotherapy after exercise, or for example, after strength training, um, hypertrophic training, so we're talking muscle growth, Uh, We actually want to wait a specific time frame before engaging in cryotherapy, largely because there's natural inflammatory mechanisms that take place when you're breaking down tissue with strength training. Um, When you're engaging in eccentric loading, for example, Um, lengthening the muscle fiber as it contracts, it's breaking down the tissue, promoting better strength gain and better hypertrophic gains and muscle growth. However, we want inflammation to do its thing. Inflammation serves a good purpose in a lot of ways. We don't necessarily want to inhibit inflammation from taking place because that will ultimately inhibit muscle growth. So in the realm of post-workout recovery, we actually want to wait At least we say safely an hour for those that are really performing at it, you know, at the top, top level, wait two to four hours because there's such significant tissue breakdown. Let's let inflammation do its thing for a couple hours, then flush the system, the excess inflammation you don't need, the excess edema and swelling that you don't need, restoring range of motion so that next workout is ready to go. So in the realm of that, we treat a lot of guys prior to games, right? These guys will come in on Friday, games on Saturday. Okay, great, they'll perform on the game. Then they'll come in on Monday beaten up and broken, right? And then we'll treat them again on Monday. Same thing with volleyball. I mean, a lot of the – excuse me, those volleyball tournaments – um you know they're playing full days you know they may not be able to get in cryo during the day to kind of boost a little recovery but they'll come in the next day flush out the lactic acid build buildup flush out the excess inflammation and edema so that way they can retrain again on monday with you know limited side effects if you will mm-hmm. from an extensive day out in the sun performing for eight nine hours yeah,
1: yeah. so what uh you know it sounds like a lot of there's a lot of variation in terms of like how frequently people are coming in for cryo se- sessions but mm-hmm. you maybe layout in general i know at one point you kind of mentioned like once a week mm-hmm. a lot of your athletes are coming in twice a week mm-hmm. uh maybe like what are the two ends of the spectrum
2: sure like
1: the least amount to the most amount
2: yeah of well that's a, it's a great question and it's a question we receive every single day like people perceive cryotherapy maybe to be this kind of gimmick this thrill of the chill and first some, it's okay, great, you know, fun, thrilling experience for those that are looking for athletic performance, better injury recovery, better wellness plans and regimens. There are specific frequencies. So what we find first is cryotherapy has optimal results with two to three times a week, largely because the endorphins release stay within the bloodstream for up to 72 hours. So kind of every three days, right? That's where we're seeing. Optimal results at its minimum. Now, if you're doing four or five times a week, you're guaranteed optimal results. You're seeing more of the wellness benefits, so the reduction of stress, uh, the improvement of sleep quality, the overall enhancement of mood and well being. You're seeing all that with higher frequency about four or five times a week. Now, at the minimum side of the spectrum, you're seeing once a week great alternative for weekend warriors. People who are getting out and about on the weekend, who are really looking for that added a little recovery, may not have the time to commute, may not have the finances to commute and commit to a significant amount of time and frequency, but one day of recovery is better than zero. No question about it. So we do have a lot of people who are coming in about one time a week on a regimen just to get that baseline recovery. Now, for those that are suffering from chronic pain and inflammation, that kind of caters specifically to the individual. You might see five, six times a week of a regimen. For those that have extreme pain and inflammation, they're using this as a management tool. We're not solving those conditions. I wanna be very clear, we're managing those conditions with pain and inflammation, right? And uh, they may come in every single day, it's safe to do so. But then we kind of have to say, all right, let's let's take a break. Let the central nervous system breathe mm-hmm. because we're stimulating it. Like you're saying, we're stressing it. Right. We don't necessarily need to stress it for two weeks straight. Take, you know, two days off. Take one day off out of that two week stretch, and your body actually thanks you. You take that day off. You go in the next day. If you see that innervation, and it feels so so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So on the larger end of the spectrum, larger frequency chronic pain and inflammation, extreme elite level performance athletes at the five time, four time a week regimen. And then the minimum being one time a week, you'll see a little bit of wellness benefit, maybe a great night of sleep afterwards, but really that's where you're trying to get in at least one day of recovery to a very quick, you know, regimen, 15 minutes of recovery, great body's feeling good weekend warrior. Let's rock.
1: And then, so, um, you know, in closing here, what other recommendations would you have? I guess maybe let's start with athletes. Okay. Because um, that's definitely been our big piece here. And then certainly your background, strength and conditioning, is kind of geared towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, other recommendations for people to really hit that peak performance?
2: So, when we're talking about what we can offer for sure, I mean, those athletes, they should really examine their current recovery regimen. Are they icing enough? Are they foam rolling enough? Are they massaging the tissues? And I can speak as a former professional athlete. I wasn't doing enough of it and I was playing pro ball in Slovenia. there are a lot of athletes out there in even just elite performance and even guys who are doing bodybuilding and ISO work in the gym. They're not doing enough on the tissue recovery side nor on an inflammatory recovery side. So really examine what you currently have and then see how we can take that up a notch. Do we want to reach that next level? And if the answer is yes, let's start implementing a cryotherapy regimen in two to three times a week, accelerating that recovery because that recovery is that last pillar you're just not really you know, paying enough attention to. That pillar and that basin is going to crash if you don't recover fast enough or devote enough time to it for more of you know I guess last notes for people who have chronic pain and inflammation um, examine what you're currently doing as well a lot of that has to do with accountability a lot of people are content with just saying you know what I have chronic pain and I'm just a huge huge proponent of like not Accepting that. You can't accept pain and just being content with pain, and inflammation. There's always something you can do. And if that means you're doing cryotherapy four times a week and then synergizing that with PT, getting you back on the recovery so you don't have to worry about pain when you wake up every single day, you will feel better. Your overall en- enhancement of mood and well being will be better. Don't let yourself fall out of off the bandwagon. Hold yourself accountable. And then for those that you see, maybe your friends or your family, they suffer from chronic pain and inflammation, hold them accountable too. Research cryotherapy with them. See if it's a right fit. See if their body responds well to it. And then we can cut out a regimen for them. And then for the wellness folks, I mean, you're talking about endorphin releases and things like that. It's the, the wellness opportunity that cryotherapy provides hits people a little bit different, differently. Endorphins affect people differently. Uh, the largest result that we see is improved sleep patterns. No question. People start sleeping better when they start doing cryotherapy. So I guess examine sleep patterns. are: Do we have lucid dreams? Do we have good REM cycle? Are we waking up three times out of the night? We actually see a lot of new dads. a lot of new dads in the facility who see the improved sleep Mm -hmm. because they've been out of sleep for so long and they just can't get back on their, you know, on their circadian rhythm and they just can't get back into normal sleep patterns. So again, it's kind of like a re-examination. What am I currently doing Mm -hmm. using and researching cryotherapy as an alternative to get back on the bandwagon? And if I, if I may just touch on one more point, If people are researching cryotherapy, whether that's electrically cooled or nitrogen, I mean, there are clinical to support that nitrogen does stimulate the central nervous system. Not as much. We discuss, you know, uh, electrically cooled systems and whole body are listening about 20% more. But if you do decide to do those things, please, please like, I encourage every single listener right now and you yourself, if you do end up doing different types of cryo, measure your skin temperature before and after, particularly around the chest, the shoulders, okay? That's ultimately where we see consistent skin temperature decrease, which fully activates the central nervous system. Mm -hmm. If you're getting measured closer to your calf and your ankle and you're getting readings like 15 degrees, that's not indicative of central nervous system stimulation, nor is that backed by clinical research. If you're not getting measured at all and you're getting thrown in for a generic time of three minutes re-examine what you're actually doing okay your body is going to regulate thermal temperature differently you and i regulate thermal temperature differently we'll go outside right now and start sweating at different times because we regulate differently measure skin temperature before and after treatment make sure it's safe make sure it's effective and then for those that are currently doing nitrogen cryotherapy maybe watching this at home okay the last thing i can encourage is don't dunk your head There's a huge it's a huge thing. And the FDA actually released a statement back in 2016 in nitrogen tanks. They dunk their heads inside the tube in order to try to get cold on the head, neck and face. Dunking is incredibly unsafe. You're you could potentially breathe in liquid nitrogen vapor. You could potentially pass uh, pass out or faint. Definitely don't dunk. Measure skin temperature before and after. And if you just do decide to look up electrically cooled systems, U.S. cryotherapy is there to help.
1: So can you maybe just speak for a second about, you know, because you've done the nitrogen cryotherapy chambers and now the electrically cooled chamber. Can you just speak a little bit to, you know, the difference in the experience?
2: Mm -hmm. So I think it starts with prep. Okay. So you have to get prepped in order to go into the cryotherapy chamber, cover things like hands, feet, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Now with the nitrogen chamber, Um, you basically, a lot of those places, they'll give you a robe. Uh, they'll give you dry socks, dry slippers. They have to be dry. Just first of all, everything has to be dry. Don't go in with wet socks. Don't go in with your own socks, like chain socks. Don't take that risk. Um, go in with dry socks, go in with dry slippers. They give you dry gloves. Okay. And in the nitrogen chambers, you're going in basically in your briefs. Um, some places recommend doing it naked, I wasn't going to do that. I didn't want certain areas to be exposed to negative, uh, you know, sub-zero temperatures. So I, you know, you go in a row, basically you derobe robe inside the tube, uh, your head sticking out, they kind of level it. So that way your chin's up there and you're not, you know, you don't want the chin below breathing in the gas. And then at that point they start the machine and it basically pumps in this air. So the first 30 seconds, it's like. Holy cow! Like you get this, you know, cold rush, uh, primarily on your back because that's where the air is, the liquid nitrogen vapor is being pumped in. Is primarily on your back, actually, largely around the hamstrings and glutes. So that's where I always felt the coldest. So, you know, some places they'll they'll tell you to kind of twirl around in the tube to try to get uniform coldness. Um, I never felt cold um, on the chest, uh, basically a, a chest up. Never felt that cold. Um, but like I said, I enjoyed it. I was using it for about a month and definitely did the trick. Like it was definitely, you know, in- innervating the central nervous system. When I first did electrically cooled systems in that whole body sub-zero temperature environment, holy cow, it it took my breath away. It was wild. Like I you, you go in all the way. Our prep is different. We go dry socks, hands, um, you know, gloves, all that jazz. But we also provide headbands to cover the ears, And we also provide surgical masks. And the reason why you're wearing a mask is not because it's unsafe to breathe, it's electrically cooled air, but you want to recirculate warm air rather than the sub-zero temperature air. Uh, At that temperature, air is incredibly dense, so it can actually fill up your lungs very quickly. So if you're breathing in warm air, it's a lot more regulatory, It's it's not as quick of a breath per se. So you want to wear a surgical mask as well. So you go in. We only require shorts for guys, maybe shorts in a sports bra for women or maybe shorts in a tank top as well. That works. We want maximum skin exposure. And holy cow, you step into that first one and you're like, this is colder than I've ever felt. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. And the first time I went in, it was at a chamber that was negative 150 at the time. So the chamber of the temperature can range between negative 150, negative 120, negative 170. But as long as skin temperature drop is appropri- appropriately decreasing by 30 to 45 degrees, we're all good. I went into that first one, played my favorite Spotify song at the time. I think it was Closer by Chainsmokers, which was back in 2016. I'm a huge music junkie too. You have to be. We, we put up staff playlist for everybody as well um, and uh, listened to it. And I was just trying to keep my mind off of it starting to move around, start stretching. Now, that was in a single electrically cooled chamber. That's what they call a C1. And there's a couple locations around the country that have C1s. Now, the location we have in Austin is actually a C4. That's the quadrant. That's the four-person capacity chamber we're referencing. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different beast. I went into my first treatment at negative 190. When we first got the machine, I was like – I was so stoked. I was like, we're going to go in – it's negative 190. I'm so excited. At this point, I had gone to Austin and started this venture. I was without cryotherapy for about like nine months. I was like, man, my body has so much accumulated inflammation. I I know. I'm like, put me in coach. And so go into negative 190. And it was like my pupils dilated. It was just whoosh. like you, you never feel anything like that. But like I said, having the space and the Liberty to move, get your arms up and the arm is still getting that sub-zero temperature exposure, even above your head, being able to squat plank push-up stretch dance whatever it may be it's so much more fun and it's so much easier than trying to rotate like a rotisserie i'm just
1: trying to
2: And And, well, and and make awkward small talk with a cryotherapist technician, you know? (laughs) Like, I mean, we, you know, we have a great rapport with our clients, but dang, I mean, they're freezing their butt off for three minutes. We might be the last face they want to talk to in that time. If they, you know, unless they want us to go in with them, in which case we're listening to music, we're dancing around, we're stretching, we're instructing on how to overcome the cold. Mm -hmm. You know, we want people to feel comfortable in their own environment. So playing that music is a huge, huge help for so many folks. And then, you know, people, of course, can meditate without. Music, if they choose.
1: So, you know, actually, that would be really interesting. Can you speak a little bit? You actually had somebody come in, and rather than moving around trying to stay energetic. Mm-hmm. in the cryotherapy chamber they were actually meditating can you just share that story?
2: yeah so we had a client uh he was actually he was one of my first uh unlimited clients and he had messaged me about two months before we opened he's like when are you guys coming in i've researched you guys I'm, so, I'm i'm loving the electrically cooled chambers he's a wim hof um guy so he knows a lot about wim hof method and the breathing methods and he goes in for about three minutes 15 seconds essentially he just starts breathing deeply closing the eyes he gets the arms outstretched i mean he He'll rotate, but really it's just all the breath control in three minutes, 15 seconds, no music. I think the only sound you got going on in there are the fans that are helping cool the air. And he just, I mean, for him, he was using it particularly to de-stress, to focus. He has ADHD and he testifies that it actually helps with his um, focus levels and mental clarity. So meditating inside along with that sub zero temperature environment almost creates this out of body experience. Mm -hmm. I've tried it once, not my cup of tea, but I will testify. I mean, it is kind of this different sensory input. You just, you're almost embracing the cold. It's wild. It's so raw. It's primal in a way. It's very, very cool.
1: Very really cool, especially in Texas where it's maybe like a hundred.
2: Oh my gosh, going outside. from July was oh, you go outside and then you go right into the cryo chamber. It's a completely different ball game. You
1: I think I need a cryo chamber in my <laughs>
2: Yeah, <right. laughs> everybody does at this point. Yeah.
1: <laughs> wow, that is just fascinating, and you know, I mean, I think, you know, just that piece of exposing your body to such a different environment mm-hmm. and such a powerfully different environment like not just kind of cold um you know it's just you know it's really clear how much you're um challenging both the mind and the body and this mm-hmm. is like, a really cool experience um it's really neat to hear you kind of explain all of the different like uh, well here's what they found in the, in the clinical studies all of that but then like the actual experience itself
2: right of going
1: in i mean that's what people are gonna
2: that's that's what takes that what's that's what blows people away, and in, in a lot of instances we have clients that may walk out early. They may not just dig it the first time, and then it takes kind of the first, the second, the third. Okay, let's get you in there. They understand the health benefit. They even see it, even without a full treatment. They'll see the difference from an inflammatory perspective. It's not a hundred percent stimulation, but something else is going on from a stimulatory standpoint. So. You know, getting back in and getting used to it, knowing what to expect. We can talk about cryotherapy all day long, but until you see it, until you feel it, you're not going to really fully understand what negative 170 degrees feels like. Right. That temperature is the, uh, colder than the surface of Mars. It is that chilly, and it's so incredibly beneficial for your body. Definitely worth trying out. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and then, you know, uh, one of the things that came up, came up several times over this discussion was the improvement of sleep, Mm. you know, talking about new fathers coming in and it just like helps them get their sleep back. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've done entire podcasts like just on the topic of sleep and how important it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just on that one element to help people um, get back into that deep sleep, back into just the rhythm of being able to sleep through the night. Oh, yeah, it has its own like echelon of different health benefits that are gonna come, just from that one piece, which mm-hmm. is, hey, it can help you sleep better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just really hope that people will um, will check this out. Like I said, I definitely want to try it out for myself. And I want to thank you so much for coming in today and sharing Of course. This with of us. course.
2: Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure.
1: Definitely. We'll be happy to have you back and uh, keep discussing. What was it that you had said we're going to do in our next one?
2: We're going to talk about red light therapy, okay. uh, particularly photobiomodulation. It's not saunas. It's just red light, and it's absolutely amazing.
1: Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to learn more. Thank you so much. Of course. want to thank all of you for listening to the Wellness Plus podcast. I hope that you will check out uscryotherapy.com if you want to learn more about this awesome cryotherapy technology. And you can visit wellnessplus.tv to check out the video versions of this podcast, along with a lot of other health and wellness videos. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will see you again soon.
0: The Wellness Plus Podcast, copyright 2018, Target Public Media, LLC, all rights reserved.